Well, folks, thank you for coming here and stopping in today at the Sioux Nation podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis, and we are here today with Mandy Thomas, who is going to tell us all the wonderful things that we can do as a small ruminant producer to do the best job possible. Geez, Jake, way to give me a, a heck of a lead in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, goodness. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, when when you, you work with a lot of uh, small ruminant producers, and I really respect the job you do with them because you you do a very uh, you give a very poignant effort to try to provide them the best service possible. And I'm saying that just that's just my observation of what you do. And with that, one of the things that you you like to emphasize with them is to have some goals. And so, could you kind of expound a little bit more on that? Like, what sort of goals should a small ruminant producer have, and why why should they have goals? Okay, Jake, that was better. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, so one of the, the biggest problems I run into when producers call me, and they're usually calling because they're having problems, is that they don't really have any goals in mind. And one of my favorite phrases is, you can't manage what you don't measure. And I kind of live by that. And you run into a lot of producers, and granted, a lot of the producers that call me are people who are new at sheep and goats. So they don't really know who to ask for questions. They don't really know where to get their information, but they don't have any goals. And goals are different depending on who you are, obviously, what your situation is, where you want to go with your life, but they have no idea what they're doing. They just got some sheep. They just got some goats. And that's that. It's not, well, where do I want to go with this? Do I want it to be a hobby? Do I want it to be a money-making endeavor? Do I want to get to a certain size? Do I want to do it a certain way? Um, How do I want to manage this? How do I measure improvement if I don't have any goals? So say your goal is to raise twins per you every year, but you don't know what she had last year and you don't know what she had the year before and you don't know what you did last year or how you fed them or how you fed them the year before or anything that goes with that. So how how do you improve your operation which is everybody wants to be do better. I mean, as humans, we're always wanting to do better. So how do you do better if you don't have any goals? How do you measure that progress, I guess, is kind of where I like to start. And it's not something that you're just going to, if I ask you that question on the phone, you're going to go, well, here are my goals. But it's something to be thinking about as a producer. Sure. So, I mean, when you have people that are new and looking at sheep and goats, uh, what are some of the things you like ask them to help guide them in the direction they would like to go if they help them decide, do I want to be a commercial producer? Do I want to be a registered producer? Or, you know, what what am I going to do with this animal as as as, as the product that comes forth from having this animal? Right. And a, a lot of what I ask when they call are just the basic things like, are you feeding these on pasture? Are you feeding these on a dry lot? Um, do you do you want to sell for a premium, which may be more of your registered animals versus commercial, you just want to raise them for feed. Um, they're finished lambs or finished goats. And when are you selling them? Are you selling them as feeders? Or are you selling, selling them right after you wean? Or are you selling them later? Uh, so I just ask kind of those basic questions, like how big they are, what what they have available to use. And what what I mean by that is, you know, the bigger you get, the more equipment you tend to get because it just, if you're not careful, that operation is going to run your life. 
instead of you running your operation. Mm -hmm. So if you have 500 U's and you're still hand feeding small squares, we need to talk about some, some labor savers. Maybe it's saving on the gym membership. It may be saving on a gym membership, but I'm pretty sure by 60, they might not walk again. (laughs) It's kind of how I feel, but just some of those questions, uh, like size, what they have as options. And you know, price is always an important question people ask when it comes to where are we going with our operation? They want to be able to make money a lot of the time. And most people are price conscious. So then we need to talk about other things. But Well, on that topic of being price conscious, uh, one thing that people may not realize if they're new to a livestock business is that feed is not necessarily the same all the way throughout. And just because one, for example, source of hay is a lot cheaper than another source of hay. That doesn't mean that the two are comparable. And that's exactly right. And I'll tell you a couple pet peeves of mine. And one of them is getting told, I know what my hay is. I've had several producers come up to me and say, I don't need to test my hay because I know what it is. And I can tell you from personal experience, I've bought hay that was beautiful from the outside, just looked fantastic, tested it, and it tested worse than that old moldy stuff that's been sitting in the back for two years and has been rained and snowed on a few times. So Mm -hmm. looks are not everything. There's a lot to that. I can second that from from my uh, cattle experience as well. Yeah. You'd be surprised how many people think, well, it looks really green, so it's got to be great. And just because it's green doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other pet peeve I have is people that call me going, but it has an RFV, which is relative feed value of 180, which would be dairy quality according to the USDA. But nutritionists don't use RFV because it's not an important number. Basically, all that number does is make it so you can compare hay types if you're buying from sales. Mm-hmm. So if you're going out and looking at two different hays, and one has a 160 and one has a 180 or one has a 100 and one has a 180, whatever. Um, that's just so you can compare quality. But it really doesn't mean anything until you actually look at the numbers that you get back on hay tests. Mm-hmm. Because that may not be what your animal needs. So if you get the most beautiful hot alfalfa that you possibly could, you could potentially kill your animals too. Just because you killed them with kindness. <laughs> Well, and I suppose maybe that's a good thing to look into when you, you talk about what kind of feed you want at what point in time. Now, the needs obviously are going to change from, for that animal uh, based on the different weather conditions or where they're at in their cycle of life. Right. So on the small ruminant side, it depends on what you have. And here's where it gets confusing. So you've got wool sheep and you've got hair sheep. And on the goat side, you've got Meat goats, dairy goats, and everything in between. And all of them have different needs. Many dwarf goats. You've got dwarf goats, which are a favorite for people. But (laughs) I'm not a huge fan of them because they're crazy. But so you look at each, each type has their own specific needs. And those needs change. Whether we're talking about maintenance times of year, we're talking about gestation, we're talking about breeding, we're talking about lactation. Uh, We're talking about if you want a show animal, show animals look completely different than commercial. Um, You want that nice, smooth, rounded body versus your commercial animals that you're using for meat production aren't necessarily beauty queens, but 
they do the job. They eat the same. They eat the same is right. And you know what? The prettiest moms may not be the best moms. So you can't always judge a book by its cover. That's kind of why I really say you can't manage what you don't measure. Because just because she looks ugly doesn't mean she's a poor producer. So you really have to kind of tie all that stuff in. But when I say it really depends on what you're actually doing. Um, Wool sheep have different needs than hair sheep because hair sheep shed their hair. Wool sheep have to produce that wool on top of producing lambs. So they may need more sulfur. They may need more protein. They may need, depending on what time of year, they may just need more than your hair sheep. Hair sheep tend to get fat on air Mm. and wool sheep struggle a little bit more sometimes. Um, So. Well, and maybe it's a good point to comment about mineral needs on these animals. Right. So one of the things that we run into is that sheep producers are not so hot on mineral programs. Um, They are really good about vitamin E, selenium, and iodine. And that's because they're really worried about white muscle, um, immune function, uh, goiter in lambs, weak lambs that are born. But those three are not the only important things that you need to supplement. So just because you're feeding the best alfalfa uh, may actually be harming them because they may be getting too much calcium, which will impact what other minerals you've got. If you're feeding lots of distillers or corn byproducts, you may have too much sulfur. So maybe you need to back that up somewhere else or too much phosphorus. Or So there are a lot of things that need to be balanced when you're looking at diets. And a lot of people just go, well, I'm feeding this and I'm feeding this, so I don't need that because they don't need it, right? They're getting it. They're getting it in their forage. The problem is the longer your forage sits, the less minerals you're getting. And even right off the fresh out of the field, they've already lost a lot of their mineral concentration. Mm -hmm. So mineral programs are super important. Um, A lot of producers really don't don't like mineral programs. And I think it's just, they see it as an added cost and maybe something they don't see a benefit from because they may not, they don't eat very much of it. And certain times of the year, they don't need much of it because they're getting it elsewhere. So they just think I spent, you know, $20 for that bag of mineral and it sat there. Well, did it sit there because you let it get wet or did it sit there because it wasn't what they needed or you know, there are a number of other problems. And really, I think that um, they don't end up taking a lot, I suppose, and we still get the good production results that we want. That's probably even better yet. I 100% agree. Um, the problem with minerals are they can't see a difference. You know, they're micro things that it's not like if you've been starving them, yeah. that you feed them, they all of a sudden look better. It's a, it's percentages. It's it's small percentages, and they're usually subclinical issues that mm-hmm. you can't necessarily see. You might have been having a repro problem, and you blamed it on something else, but it may have been your minerals were out of balance. Absolutely. But you can't gauge that unless maybe you all of a sudden weren't feeding mineral, and then you were. Absolutely. It is difficult to measure the the extra 10th of a pound average daily gain or the extra 5% conception rate, but it's there. It's real. It just isn't quite as glaringly obvious as they used to be dying and they're not dying anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's not one of those magic bullets that you see a, a huge response to. 
but it's definitely the key. It's a real response. It's right. just not as blatantly obvious right. as some of the other things. And if you're if you're not keeping track of a lot of that stuff and you're not really paying attention, you're never going to know anyway. So say you fed the same way for the last 10 years and the only thing that changed was the mineral. That and you were actually measuring weights and everything was the same. That'd be the only way you'd know the difference. Well, maybe that's a good thing to go into as well is is measuring. Uh, you know, if we have goals, how do we achieve these goals if we don't measure to what we would like to see those goals come to? You're exactly right. So some of the basic things that you don't have to get crazy. We're not talking um, necessarily purebred. I'm not I'm not directing this at people who are doing a lot of this data collection, just your general average producer. Um, you don't have to go crazy with the data. Just basic things like birth weight, weaning weight, um, how much they were eating. So you actually can get an accurate average daily gain. And even if you don't want to know that stuff, you don't really care. Um, even something that basic will tell you how well your moms are doing. So are you keeping girls in the flock that should have been gone five years ago because they're not actually weaning what they should be? It just gives you a better comparison so you stop losing money on animals that you should have gotten rid of um, is one thing. And the other thing is if you're keeping track of how much you're eating, that gives you a better idea of how much you're going to need maybe next year so you can prepare for winter um, since, you know, winter's long (laughs) – Winter's not long in South Dakota or Minnesota or Minnesota is right. It never stops. Um, I like to joke that we spend all winter hoping for summer and we spend all summer preparing for winter. Yeah, because that's you're pretty much always waiting for the snow to fly again. So even if you're just keeping track of that, it'll help you prepare for next year. And it at least maybe gives you a better idea of what you need to do different. Absolutely. So really, when when you kind of bring it all back together, there's a lot of things to know. And uh, really the only way to know if you don't know them is to ask. And that's one of the big things that you're very good about is helping people with those answer the different questions that come out there. Well, I hope I can answer questions um, adequately for the people that call me. But really, that's the important thing is you can never know enough. And I get I get made fun of because I routinely order textbooks because I'll find a new textbook that I think is interesting. So there are lots of boring texts on my wall, like mineral nutrition, volume 70 million kajillion, because that's basically how it comes down to You have wild Friday night parties. <laughs> Super wild. They involve lots of goat kids. Um, no, knowledge really is power. So if you can And I think the hardest thing a lot of people have is knowing where to find your answers. Obviously, universities are going to be a good start. Uh, If you need some more comprehensive vet slash nutritionist slash everyday experience, I think that's what Johanna and I do pretty well, just because we are living this ourselves. Mm -hmm. So... If you've had problems, we've probably had the same problems. You just don't like to advertise that kind of stuff usually um, unless someone comes to you with the issue. Sure, sure. But knowledge is definitely power. So if you have questions, don't be afraid to ask them. I don't know. I don't know how I want to say this because this is important. I get a lot of people that call me that are like, but my neighbor said to do this. And I'm like, is your neighbor a vet? No. 
<laughs> so, so really, to, I mean, to summarize what you're saying is, is you got to trust your source and you got to make sure that your source is trustworthy before you trust them. Correct. You definitely need to trust your source, but you need to know that your source is trustworthy too. So, and I don't, a lot of people, I don't know how you guarantee the trustworthiness of somebody. You work with, I mean, I would say you have to work with somebody that you feel is putting their best foot forward and, and would have, like you say, you, you raise these yourself and uh, obviously take a lot of pride in the production that comes forward. And if things don't go right, you learn from it and you do better. And that, that in of itself, I would say is a very valuable uh, perspective versus uh, maybe somebody who just uh, likes to drink a lot of coffee and talk a lot. Yeah. I do know that one of the ways that you get questioned, and I get this a lot, the first thing that someone calls, they call me and ask, the first question I get is, do you have sheep? Mm-hmm. I usually respond, I have goats, and that's worse. So, yes, <laughs> I can answer your question. <laughs> But I think I think a lot of people are looking for that connection. And mm-hmm. I think we as a company can offer that connection. It's just we have to get out there. And it's taken us a few years to get our name out there as a company that actually has small ruminant stuff mm-hmm. instead of just cattle yeah. and hogs. Well, thank you very much for all your commentary and coming by today for the conversation. I appreciate it. And uh People are more than welcome to reach out to you when they have questions. And Of course. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, Jake. No problem. Thank you for coming by. And thank you all for listening today. Y'all take care now. <laughs>